Brother Dave, we're back. Hey there, Costa. Here we go. Week four. Week four of Advent. Here we go. I meant we're back physically. Oh. <laughs> you speak for yourself. We're back physically in the place where this all started. Yeah. Which I realize on a podcast with no video is a really lousy thing to say, but we'll explain it. Yeah. We are, uh, today, we are recording in the chapel where this, uh, where, uh, we were kind of designated for COVID uh, when we had to shut down and kind of really where the, the first thoughts of even doing a podcast kind of emerged. We were live streaming masses at the very beginning of when everybody was doing that. And we started reading announcements to try to make the day as normal for the students. And yeah. announcements just turned into roasts of each other. Yeah. And very seamlessly. It takes seamlessly. no effort at all. <laughs> it was a very seamless transition and people... I think were amused by it only because they saw how authentic it was. Yeah. And we really didn't have to do anything. It really fell in our lap. We just were ourselves to each other. It was very unrehearsed. <laughs> did not, none of Nothing that we've ever done has been rehearsed. No. <laughs> so that went on from the middle of March until June. And, and we both talked about this, and, and semi-seriously too. This is, this is a little chapel that's located off a, a main, you know, main church on Long Island. And the pastor at the time was very, very nice to give it to us. But we, we always said we never wanted to come back here. Right. Just because, in all honesty, it's like I saw the videos, and it's just a remembrance of a really horrible time and uncertain yeah. time for, for so many, especially in this area where yeah, there were almost 1,000 people dying a day. And so when you said today we, were, we, were gonna, we couldn't use the school for various reasons, so I kind of thought, we would be in the rectory. And I'm texting you, and he said, we're going to meet in the chapel. So number one, I'm thinking, all right, he's just embarrassed of me. He doesn't want to show me to his priest friends. That's why we can't be in the rectory. I mean, that's slightly the case. So now we're here. But, but here's the thing about being here again. They've converted it to a—it's no longer a chapel. It's an outreach center. And as any outreach center in the United States— yeah. One week before Christmas, it is chock full of toys. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sitting next to a stack of Barbie dolls. Yep, the computer, <laughs> the, the Mac we're recording on is on top of a Hungry Hungry Hippo. <laughs> Which is a great game, by the way. In Dave and Buster's, <laughs> they have an actual life-size game of that. I've seen that before. Where you sit on the hippo. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, not, not like you're on a cart, like I've seen youth ministers do it? No, you, no, yeah. This one is like you sit on the hippo, mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of like a reverse dump truck okay. with the mouth, and it's, it's amazing. Well, it's so funny you say that, because I was about to say, this is the worst possible place for you to, to be around toys. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I say he's a child, I don't, I don't really mean that with he's any hyperbole. Really wrong, he is. Too. No, it's it, Costa and Mads have to do a lot of work just to rein me in halfway through the day. At, and now we're like school. in Santa's workshop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually kind of half talking to you, half paying attention to you, which is all the time. And then just kind of like looking around the room. What am well, I taking? If you're feeling insecure during, during the podcast, there's an Emily doll that you could probably reach out <laughs> without getting out of your seat. And, and definitely Barbie's. It's a cute little tiger puppy there, or a tiger cub, not a puppy. So we, we, we last week we started talking about the the people that we see in um, the 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 crushes that are so prevalent around this time of year, and just tried to talk about them a little bit. We added a few people we don't really see um, mm-hmm. Elizabeth and and Zechariah, yeah. But but try to draw it out a little bit. Um, for for who they are, and we thought we were going to get all of them done, but it wound up being the longest podcast we had, so we cut it short. And today we're going to focus on St. John the Baptist, Mary, and Joseph. Yeah, and just mm-hmm. offer um, just offer a few thoughts about them. Did you see? Because if the your answer to this is going to affect the conversation, have you seen the Chosen Christmas yet? 
I have not actually. All right, so we can't talk about that. It's one of the. It's one of the things that you know. You would think you would have asked me that question before. Before we, we started, started doing it, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think of it till right the second. Well, do you want to share your thoughts? Because I mean, no. that's part of my plan to actually see it before uh, Christmas. We've had a, a very, <clears throat> we've had a very intense Advent season um, at, at uh, in campus ministry. Just a lot going on. And uh, so one of the things that I've really been uh, actively pursuing is beautiful things. Uh, so uh, oh, this is it. You know. So yeah. You... So let's let's wait. We're going to do a, a one more episode before Christmas. We have we've actually talked about some things we want to share with you. And why don't you watch it before then? And then anybody listening today, watch it before then, because it, you know it's really hard to tell a story well that everybody knows. Right. You know, and they do it. And, yeah. and they, 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 yeah. they, I don't really want to go into it, but it's. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, because uh, I think, uh, I, I think that uh, with a lot of the, uh, with, with a lot of the stuff that we were kind of ac- actively in the midst of the, during this Advent season uh, at St. John's, we, um, uh, uh, we had talked about actively pursuing beautiful, yeah. uh, beautiful things. So, uh, you and I went to uh, a Christmas concert. I was uh, just thinking about that. Th- an Advent reflection concert by Sarah Kroger and her and her husband, uh, which was just outstanding. Yeah. I mean, uh, listening to her voice is—I mean, it's it's uh, it's perfect. And uh, and and to just really just have that overwhelming sense of peace hit me, especially when she was singing like "Oh Holy Night" mm-hmm. oh, and "Little Star of Bethlehem." Uh, it was just. Amazing, and then some of the adorations that we've had at the school have have really helped me out. I would consider, outside of seeing the chosen, which I will see before Christmas, uh, that I'm actively pursuing. Uh, part of the thing is uh, really trying to be active in my pursuit of it this year because uh, I need that beauty to just really counteract uh, the heaviness of life. Uh, and one one of the things that I would consider part of the beautiful is yes, going to see Spider Man. That to me, I guys, I got to be honest with you. I'm wow, we super made it excited. so far in without the mention of Spider Man <laughs> yet. I thought we were going to get through. <laughs> no, that to me will be a beautiful event. It will be a beautiful event. It has nothing to do with Christmas, but it's a, it'll be a beautiful event. You know, it's. I guess you have to be there, but today I didn't have a really busy day, which I was thankful for. Which is about three quarters of his life. Yes, it's so not. But I was sitting in my office, and you hear, you know, when you, you, I was able to hear the kids talking in the hall, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of chatter about Spider-Man. Of course. Because they're kids. No, 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 no. It's because it's, it's going to be the most epic movie in, like, the last year and a half. Okay. And by the way, let's just clarify for the people here. Uh, three quarters of the time, you said that it's not the case that you're not busy. But three quarters <laughs> of the time, I want you to tell the people... How much are you actively pursuing more work in your life and have the problem to just slow down? No, that's true. <laughs> so you make yourself busy for no reason. Well, I don't like to think of it as no reason. <laughs> like, let's take Monday, for example. Let's dive deep into the psychology of this, Rich. How, what are you running from? <laughs> well, doctor. A lot of the things that we're planning, we're planning for kids that Monday. We, we came up with that. We had talked about it, but then the, the month got away from us, and we, we made that happen on Monday. So Monday becomes this thing of permission slips and trying to secure tickets for Sarah Kroger. He does, he does all the work. Him and, him and our coworker, they do all the work behind the scenes. Uh, scenes. Are you, did you want to publicly accuse um, Dom? Of of stealing stuff from our podcast, Sarah Kroger's husband. Yeah, I mean, I, his his Aguilar. speak is speak his speech halfway through. It was really I, do good. I, do I know how to speak? Uh, his his speech halfway through, uh, which was really one of the best homilies I've heard all year. It was really good. It was amazing. Uh, I was just a little insulted that we didn't get a shout out because it seemed like half the stuff he talked about, we had talked about, not as eloquently. Yeah. And then it made me question, is he listening? He's, list- he's lifting our stuff. <laughs> we both, I mean, how pathetic are we? We both looked at each other. Instead of going, wow, this is amazing. We both went and we read each other's minds and said, he's listening to us. Yeah. <laughs> First thought, obviously. We, we wish. <laughs> we might have listened to him. It's more the other way around. <laughs> and we do listen to so much right now. I can't remember what's mine and not. <laughs> 
the um, the readings for the past three days have been very much about John the Baptist. So mm-hmm. the you know the 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 liturgy has moved from the Advent preparation for the end of times yes. to now really the Advent preparation for Jesus, you know, yes. for Jesus coming. And very much that involves St. John the Baptist. And he's a, he's a figure that I don't know how you would best assess him, and I guess everybody does that in their own way, but, but definitely the, the wild guy, he needs a haircut. When I powerful and eccentric. Yeah, that's a good that's a good adjective or those are good adjectives. When I first was thinking of coming to St. John's, you immediately think, or do I have any connections? So if I was going to St. Joseph's school, which, you know, I would say, "Well, I, you know, I love St. Joseph, that could be a good fit." I really never had thought about St. John the Baptist much. And it is a um a place for us to contemplate, you know, what was it like to be with him? What was what was it mm-hmm. like to be one of his disciples? Because by all accounts, he was like a little eccentric. So that's really yeah. what we wanted to just um, talk about a little bit today. I mean, literally eating locusts and wild honey? Yeah. Dude, you got to be... Yeah. <laughs> you're a different kind of person. <laughs> well, one of the thoughts I had read, and, and we... we, we prepared a, a little for this is the even the desert experience in in what and I think that's one of the things we could take from him and others but let's we'll stick with him for a moment is he went to the desert to make room for God mm-hmm. you know to get rid of those things that might um, interfere or cause him to be thinking about other things sure so that that solitude and and really the barrenness the the ruggedness of it you know the, the yeah. heat in the day and the cold at night and you just think about the, you know, the silence of that, mm-hmm. you know, outside of hearing a wild animal at, at any particular point sure. or the howling wind of the desert, you know, it's, it's, there's silence there. And then, and then from that, he grew into the, the person that understood that actions need to speak <clears throat> and that people would be inspired by those actions, because he he could see something that other people couldn't see. Mm-hmm. He could see, and I, I, the more I think about this as I get older, I'm I'm really more fascinated by it. And it was his cousin, but the thing he understood about the Messiah, and and the disciples did as well, is that this Messiah, this one who would save them, was saving them from sin. And we alluded to this last week um, mm-hmm. in in the yeah. podcast. He wasn't saving them from the Romans. That the the Messiah that many had expected, that had been prophesied by by a lot of the prophets, and the prophets had been quiet for about four hundred years. So, in that four hundred year vacuum, a lot of crazy stuff had gone on. And groups became very, oh, yeah. very self important. Um, there were factions. There was persecutions. There were persecutions, and and to borrow a phrase, there was a great cancel culture too. Uh, not that they would oh, have yeah. called it that, obviously. But if you don't believe in the type of Judaism I believe in. And this would be between the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Essenes, that they would essentially cancel them. So what what we're going through now is really nothing new. Yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of different opinions, uh, a lot of different arguments breaking out, uh, fractions. Uh, there wasn't a unified uh, Judaism, you know, Jewish belief. Everybody had a different interpretation of the Torah. And and what was violating the Torah, you know, what, what Moses would have permitted, what Abraham would have right. permitted. And but but John the Baptist saw that this was something different. The same you would you would made an interesting reference to Herod last week that I was thinking about, is that the star over the stable, that star was visible to everybody. But yeah. Herod didn't act upon it. And in a similar way, what John saw was visible to everybody. But yeah. but he had the faith to believe Ooh. that this Messiah yeah. was that that his cousin, you know, uh, was was different. Not only the Messiah, not only the one who would save them, but the very different understanding of what Messiah is. Yeah, and and if you and and if you think about it really quickly, we had talked about this uh, last week. We had alluded to it in when we spoke about Zechariah and the person that he was and how Luke describes him. Is that. You know, John would have taken after his father, a high priest. So John is going into the desert with the knowledge of a high priest 
and all that a high priest would have been taught and uh, and <clears throat> and formed in, and what to expect and what to look for in the sacrifice of of an animal, you know, of a sacrifice of a lamb uh, for uh, uh, for the oblation and worship of God. And he goes out into the desert. His his heart, his mind is clear of of his own will and his own expectation and is filled with the love of the father uh, and this mission and this calling in, in the desert, this calling away. And then he comes back. And like you were saying, he sees Jesus who is visible to everybody. And then he says, behold the lamb of God. Mm-hmm. Like he could have said, there's the Messiah, right? He could have said, that's Jesus. That's the one you want to follow. But in the, in the language of, uh, a high priest. Yeah. He said, there's the lamb. There's the lamb of God. He's already, he's already calling on the crucifixion. He's already calling it on because he's saying that Jesus is the lamb. Which would have meant so much to the Jewish people at the time, more than, more than us until, you right. know, until for it's the explained. Observant, for the observant Jew mm-hmm. who was really, that's why John and Andrew, you know, they follow Jesus right after he says it mm-hmm. because they were two two people who were expecting the messiah they heard john they they heard john with their with their heart right. with the with the heart of faith and and as john builds up his following and then and starts the baptisms it becomes evident that he not only says things but he does things and yeah. that's attracting people as well he yep. wasn't just and and Jesus criticizes particularly in Matthew's gospel a lot the Pharisees who stand in the street who stand in the street corners and just kind of preach and babble and whatnot. Yeah. And but John did things. You know, and he and, was he was with people and he and he cared for them and had that community. And 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 just to really harken back to you know uh last Sunday's gospel uh where we really focused on the importance of joy. Mm-hmm. In the scriptures, how uh, how the first the crowds ask John, you know what what should we do, right? And then we have the tax collectors and the sinners say, what should we do? Mm-hmm. And then we have the like the soldiers, like pagans, yeah. saying, John, what should we do? Mm-hmm. Like he must have been an outstanding man of faith as as much as oh, we yeah. kind of want to make fun of yeah. you know uh, how eccentric he must have been but like there must have been super something super powerful in his message because when you hear him in other gospels he calls he hits guys right between the eyes he's yeah. hitting people right between the eyes with the message but i kind of alluded to this on i, I kind of spoke about this on sunday of how you know I had a I had a priest that in the seminary who was my first spiritual director, and uh, the guy was the perfect complement of he could be hard nosed if he needed to be, and then he knew it was just he, the man is so led by the Holy Spirit he knew that if you needed a hug he'd give you a hug mm-hmm. at the end of the session, and there were some times where like I was just being a complete moron mm-hmm. and like. As much as I didn't want to tell myself that I was screwing up and wanted to be hard on myself, that's where he would lean into me and go, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Get your crap together. Waking up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I wanted him to say it because yep. I didn't want to say it for myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what all these other people are so excited about. Yeah. Because he's, he's, he's not, shy, not shy in saying it. I have this uh, quote by, uh, it, it lends into what, yourself, what you just said now, Dr. Todd Warner. We need to be arrested at our needless destruction in pride from our self-serving narratives. We must listen and hear, wake up, the kingdom is at hand. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I think that's his that's exactly it. His eccentricities did yeah. that. And and he wouldn't think of himself as eccentric. He right. didn't really care what people said because he understood God. Yeah, and there's a great. We'll use a chosen reference again, but there's a a scene in season two where they're kind of camped out, and John has come to Jesus's camp, and there's some trouble going on. I forget exactly what it is, and Jesus does this healing, <laughs> and John sees it for the first time, and whatever it's a dramatic scene, and I think there's danger involved. I can't remember exactly, but John sees the healing, and goes yes. <laughs> 
And they all look at him like, dude, what are you doing? It's like, right. that's really not an appropriate response. Right, right. But his heart soar, his heart soar clearly to God. Cardinal Newman said, uh, no one is a martyr for a conclusion. Um, that it is, it, and they're not, a, they're not a martyr for opinion, they're a martyr for faith. Yeah. You know? And then yeah. we is a perfect example of that. I'm really becoming, the more I, I want to actually do more reading on him. I've only worked in the school for 20, <laughs> a lot of years, but I, I'd like to do more reading about him and, but, and see some reflections. Yeah. And, and uh, I had a, read a reflection uh, from, uh, from a priest not too long ago. Uh, and it was in, in regards to the, the reading that we had uh, just the other day in Mass on, on Tuesday, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, on, on Monday maybe, rather, I'm sorry, uh, where John the Baptist is in prison now, he's been there for a while, and then he tells his disciples, go, see, go, go, ahead, go to here. Jesus, mm-hmm. go to him, and ask him if he's the one. Yep. Now, here's the same guy who at the baptism had said, behold the Lamb of God, with like complete assurance, like complete confidence. And, you know, Jesus says, nobody born of woman is greater than John the Baptist. Like putting him up on this pedestal. That's a heck of a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have this moment where I had heard from this, this, but I had read from this this priest who had reflected on, on John the Baptist that really helped me a lot in my discernment of faith is that, John seems to be having just a little bit, uh, like a little bit of a moment of doubt. Mm-hmm. Is it because like now, like, and we, we see this, right? When, when we're, when we're laden with a heavy cross and it, and it goes on and on and on, it, it, it seems to rock and, and, and crack the very faith that we possess. And so, like, maybe that is happening there. That's why John asked the question to his disciples, just go ask him if he's the one. Mm-hmm. And then... Just that little bit of reassurance. Just the reassurance. And, and like, then, like, Jesus doesn't say, well, of course, John, because he gives him the answer that he needs. Mm-hmm. Like, the one thing that's that That's a great John, point. Right? Well, like, because that's what Jesus says to us all the time. Exactly. He yeah. gives us the answer that we need, not that we expect to hear, mm-hmm. but Jesus says... The, the dumb speak, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, the dumb can hear, um, you know, uh, the people are being healed, right. uh, lepers are being cleansed. Mm-hmm. Just go tell him that. Yeah. You know, and that's the answer that satisfies John to, to really go out on a happy death. You think he knew he was, was going to die? Totally. Yeah. I completely knew. Yeah, I completely believe that with all my heart. Because you were dealing with a madman in Herod. Right, which is, you know, like, who, he, I mean, he knew the eradicacy of Herod, yeah. and, and he knew that he was never going to compromise the truth yeah. so that Herod would spare his life. One of the things you said previous to my comment about Herod, if you thought about, you know, uh, <clears throat> as much as we joke around, we care deeply about the kids that we're ministering to, and I know if I was sick— and I couldn't be there, you know, if I was out of work for a month or something, or maybe I couldn't work anymore. And you told me the work's still going on. That would be so reassuring. Even if it, indu- yep. <clears throat> excuse me, even if it didn't involve me, I wouldn't care. Yeah. As long as the work goes on, mm-hmm. then that's the main thing. And right. that's kind of what Jesus was, was saying. Look, the things are still happening. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the heart that, that John had. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, Remember, remember the, as you like to joke around about a lot, the, the one time out of the week last year that I was supposed to work, uh, <laughs> and, and, and we were going to have confessions right before, uh, right before we went on, uh, the one time we need a priest, Holy week. I mean, other than the Eucharist. <laughs> so I got, I got slapped with a quarantine right before, right before Holy week. Yeah. And that week we were going to do confessions for the school. So then once I got slapped with that, I had to then scramble to find more, uh, more priests that I trusted that would be great with kids to come in and fill that role. Uh, and as much as the part of the controlling aspect of, of not being there um, was at play, uh, just, just knowing that the kids were going to be able to go and, and your reassurance of telling me, Hey, uh, like today was a great day. Uh, like kids came up and said they had a great experience, right. and, or the kids that, went exactly. Know. That that's I think that's what this that's, this is like. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
One aside to that story, um, during that time in the morning, Father Dave was still doing all the communication with the priest, and we, <laughs> myself and the other campus minister, would get to work wondering who was coming. So he would take a picture of his handwritten list. <laughs> Father Dave is kind of a little computer-phobic, and he would, he would take a picture of his handwritten list. Now, if you ever—I uh, I, I guess more boys do this when you're a little kid and you're playing touch football, and you, you kind of kneel down on the ground and you write up a play— you know, are you go out wide ten feet, cross over, I'll I'll hit you over the middle. That's what this was. There's arrows all over the place and times to priests. Yeah. Oh yeah, who was coming when? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was like a it was like a football play. It was like a John Madden. You know, like marking it up on the screen. And it's one of those times where we rest assured knowing Jesus is in charge, so it's, it's going to be fine. Really felt at one point there might have been a napkin that I drew on. <laughs> I'm sure you did actually. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we invite you to take a look even more into to John the Baptist, because the more I do it, the more I'm, I'm fascinated by him, and I would like to learn a little more. But we save the, um, the best two for last, in, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, who do you want to do first, Mary or Joseph? Well, how about we follow the, uh, the, 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 the guidance of the, of the Holy Fathers uh, uh, when, they, when they talk about uh, something in the faith. They always save the Blessed Mother for last. Okay. So we'll talk a little bit about let's Joseph. Let's talk about Joseph, and the just man. Joseph is really difficult to talk about because we have we have images of him. Actually, this was a joke. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a joke. So I was in a um, college seminary in college, and um, I made the mistake of saying at one point to people at lunch how Saint Joseph was my favorite saint. So you think you would get a little? Oh, yeah, he was a great guy. Said, no, this, this is what I got. Well, Costa, that doesn't surprise us. Because if your girlfriend told you that she was pregnant, that you're not the father and she's a virgin, you'd believe her too. <laughs> so they took down me and Joseph in the same in thing. In the same time. That takes skill. That's like stiletto. <laughs> so what, what can we say about, about St. Joseph? You know, a man of, of faith, a man of action, mm-hmm. a man that was based on, you know, doing the good for others. But I, I had a, another thought, too, that I wanted to run by you. Um, are we okay with not being known? I mean, St. Joseph, such a pivotal person in, in the Bible, has no lines. <laughs> like, it's a play. I didn't mean to use lines. He really but he has, he, there's no, nothing that we know that he actually said. We not don't one no, recorded word. Nope. We know nothing about his death. But he had to have a significant impact. And then, so, so what's that like? to to know that you are are not known because we our culture is so different from that we want to post something we want likes yeah you know? i mean and, and i mean every 5 every 5 seconds for, yeah. for for some of us it it becomes a real addiction mm-hmm. it's a real oh, absolutely. it's a real problem in our society yeah yeah and and i think through his and i don't know i don't know the how this worked out but in as history has gone on he's so revered and maybe because we can kind of guess what he was like, maybe he's that model father that, that we all have on, on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was, what was his life like? And I'll, I'll, I was thinking about this actually driving over here today. We are entrusted, and when I say we, I'm talking about, I'll use the teachers in our school, but this could go to teachers anywhere, on any school in the world. You're entrusted with a with a great gift. Like you, the parents send the kids to the school, and there is a sense that not only will no harm come to them, but good things will happen to them. And if you, if I actually thought about it too much, I'd probably get too blown away by it. When we take kids on trip for ten years, we took them to Peru. Yeah, and I thought every time I say, "Please, God, let nothing ever happen to them." And we took steps to make sure that didn't. Yeah. But you you want to you want to protect them. They're not even your own. But and I think what I'm what I'm what I'm saying here, any teacher in a classroom or or any pe- person in this position would would understand. It's not specific to our school or anything like that. But what would it have been like for Joseph to, I guess, have that similar feeling of knowing Jesus wasn't actually his, caring for him, but caring him for God? That had to be. I didn't even know how to to put that into words. That what that must have felt like. I think as a parent. If parents listening, uh, we often will hope we're doing the right thing. There's no playbook for being a parent. 
usually they're written by people that don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> those actual playbooks. They're trying to figure it out for themselves, and that's why they write it down. Yeah, and and you know, many of us we we do the best we can, and and just hope we don't mess it up. You know, and and really and really care and. I, I oftentimes will say or do something and I'll doubt myself, should I have said that? Are my kids going to, you know, am, am I going to look back and say, oh my God, I totally messed that up. And, mm-hmm. you know, I feel terrible. My child is messed up. I somehow affected them in a negative way. But they're my children. You know, what if it's, you're raising God's child? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I, it didn't really dawn on me till yeah. today. I mean, I knew the facts, but what, what sure. that must have been like living with that. I mean, we got to sit with it. Yeah. 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 yeah I, uh, I mean... I've gotten the opportunity to to read so much. If if any of you are curious and and really would like to dive into uh, the life of Saint Joseph, uh, John Paul II had wrote a document in the late '80s, early '90s, called Redemptor uh, Redemptoris Custus, uh, uh, the Guardian of the Redeemer, um, and in that he writes this beautiful document that's about fifty to seventy-five pages. Uh, all on just the one phrase that describes him as a just man. Mm-hmm. And I think when we, when we examine uh, that, uh, that phrase in Matthew's gospel, as you had uh, spoke about last week, when Matthew is clearly speaking to Jewish, uh, the, 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 Jewish, um, uh, the, the Jewish people uh, and, and how they have an experience of the Torah, they understand uh, that a righteous man, that a just man, is someone who has observed the commandments, mm-hmm. who right. has not just observed them, has embodied them, has has really converted the head knowledge of uh, of the scriptures into a conversion of heart, mm-hmm. uh, where nothing is obligation; it has become strictly out of love for God. Mm-hmm. So before, before anything, before we get to the whole scenario of how he divorces the Blessed Mother and how he raises our Lord and, and really guides and protects him, we understand Joseph to be this man who has internalized the Torah, mm-hmm. you know, the, the commandments and the prophets, and, and whose heart is desirous uh, for, for the Father. That's a great. It's a great way to think about it. Psalm eighty-five talks about justice and peace mm. coming together, and and they kiss. Yeah, and that's almost what Joseph is because he took that. So that Torah would have been understood. Again, we were talking before. There were so many factions of Judaism here, but it would have been, would be understood today, perhaps as as the strict translation of Torah is law, but it's really meant to be a guide. So you take those Ten Commandments, by the time of Jesus, what, the 441, I think, by then? 613. 613, yeah, Yeah. even more than I thought. Um, But they were all designed to bring one closer to God, and when we get closer to God, then there is justice. Not get closer to God so he will like us and not step on us, Mm -hmm. you know? So we could find peace and justice, and that's where that, um, I just came across that that Psalm 85, where justice and peace shall kiss. And I, I, that's how I want to think of Joseph, as bringing those two things together. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Not only like, not only that way, but like, justice and peace shall kiss. And I just think about how like, that physically happened too. Like he definitely kissed the author of peace himself. Oh, like true. When he was going to bed. Right, right, right. You know, right. like I, I just how he embodied justice, mm-hmm. and and how the 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 peace of our lives, written you know in the body of our Lord, is they're kissing each other. Um, that really blows your mind when you when you think about that a little bit. You know, what what was that like putting Jesus to bed? Yeah, you know. Yeah, but then and then you and then we get to that that really uh, beautiful phrase where he he divorced Mary silently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after hearing Not the news, to embarrass her. he didn't want to embarrass her. He, yeah. I mean, that just goes to show how much love he had for her. Yeah, he truly he loved her so much that instead of venting out his anger, which would essentially have killed her, mm-hmm. uh, because they would have stoned her to death for that, really. Uh, oh, absolutely, because she would have been considered to be uh, infidel. Yeah, uh, but he he loved her so much that he was willing to bear the brunt of that in silence by mm-hmm. himself. Right. So once again, like a man of action, not only 
in internalizing the scriptures and acting and like actively participating in the scriptures, but being a man of action to uh, to do something silently like that. It really goes to show the heart of this man. Um, but then also too to respond to the angel, he has his own annunciation, a small annunciation. Yes, angel Gabriel comes to him in a dream, and he doesn't even doubt it. No. Now here's a guy who's a carpenter, whereas we had like Zachariah, like we talked about as high priest, who you would have expected not doubt. And Joseph gets up and goes to the Blessed Mother. Mm -hmm. He just goes because he knows, you know. And with very little detail on how this is all going to happen. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they present it and they just, they just both go by faith. Yeah. The... Um, taking into consideration all the questions. And, and one thing, we, we had talked about this on retreat with the sophomores. They never had it easy, you know? No. no. I would think... Joseph and the Blessed Mother had a hard life. But can you imagine, though, say, say it's you. God's calling you to be the foster father of Jesus. Don't you think on some level that you had it made? That... <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like We got easy been... street. <laughs> yeah, and they never... You know, no. from, from the time of, you know, finding a place to have him, first of all, then um, after that going to Egypt so he wouldn't be killed, mm -hmm. and then all through his life, um, to the end of his life where Mary's there with him on the cross, it was never easy. No. That sometimes gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah. You know, just because we're following, or at least trying to follow, maybe making a mistake, of course, with all humility, but trying to follow God and knowing that if it's not easy, that's not necessarily a bad sign. Yeah. 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 And and you you look at him as uh as that silent protector too, uh, that after after the birth, uh, you know, and and, and ensuring the the cave, uh, you know, the manger, mm -hmm. uh and being there for, you know, essentially a year uh living like that, uh and and finding a way to survive mm -hmm. for the year, going out, doing what he's gotta do. Uh, the scriptures don't really kind of speak right, they don't about talk that. About it. Um, yeah. But then, then they get up in the middle of the night. Angel comes to him again and goes, "Get out of here! Get out of here. Yeah. You, you're, you know, Herod's looking to slaughter your child." Mm -hmm. And then they go to Egypt, uh, and and like, can you imagine the, you know, the the fear that must have at least been attacking his heart? You know, the I mean, like they're coming to kill him. They're coming to kill his son. Uh, so uh, to run there and then, and then establish a home for three years in Egypt, mm -hmm. meet meet new people in a foreign land, uh, and make a a livelihood and a living. And not to mention those those were treacherous journeys. Yeah, oh yeah, nothing about that. No, nothing about that journey was easy. No, no. <laughs> and if I could just uh, make just two. Uh, quick points here, Costa, before we kind of move on to the Blessed Mother. Mm -hmm. You know, first, uh, I would like to to just speak to the to the the uh, example that Saint Joseph is for each and every man uh, that is out there. There is a man of action. First of all, a man of faith, who is a man of action, a man of service, uh, a man who, in his uh, in his faith and, and, and his dedication and service to his, his wife and, and his child, you know, were, uh, you know, he was present. Um, and, and I find that uh, in, in this culture that we live in, there's such a temptation that the evil one uh, plagues the me like men with, is that uh, we don't have to get kind of, to, like we don't have to get super involved with the issues of our children or as long as I'm just present, mm -hmm. then I'm okay. And, and there's a, a plague of like, well, as long as I'm just working, I'm paying the bills, that should be enough. I'm supporting them financially, which is misunderstood as just supporting totally. And, exactly. And there's such, a, there's such an attack on, on, on serious, healthy masculine spirituality that it needs to be combated with someone as great as an example as saint joseph uh so that men can reclaim uh the proper understanding of what it means to be first of all a man of faith and then 
a father of faith mm-hmm. and what that means and and what true action is supposed to be and what faith is supposed to look like in our lives and and how connected in the family unit we're supposed like men are supposed to be and that goes for priests as well sure because uh, it's so easy for us to say because nobody knows the life of and schedule of a priest you know a priest could say oh yeah i'm busy they don't know what goes on in the life of a mm-hmm. priest unless you have you know the calendar of that priest but like he could go to his room in the rectory and just stay there all day if he wanted to and claim that he was busy mm-hmm. and stay completely disconnected oh, from sure. his flock yeah you know um but one of the great resources and, and that we want to offer to you uh this is we had just closed up just a few days ago maybe a week ago uh, the year of St. Joseph that uh, Pope Francis had uh, instituted. And if uh, any of you are looking to dive into some healthy spirituality, uh, male or female, um, I know a lot of women have done this uh, consecration as well. Father uh, Michael Calloway um, has a, a, a consecration to St. Joseph. Uh, and uh, the the beautiful... Uh, you know, knowledge that he has uh, of the life of Joseph and the tradition from a lot of the saints that have been handed down. Uh, he masterfully puts it into this 33-day consecration to St. Joseph, which I know a lot of uh, men and women in at least our area have done uh, and have found it super beneficial. It's I read a little bit of it. I can't say I've done the whole thing, but it's it's interesting because he comes from so many different point of views in different ways of thinking about Joseph and his life that yeah. are very, very possible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The different very... aspects of his life that we may not have thought about before. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but on that note, then I think we, it's time that we kind of wrap up this kind of segment, uh, this really two part segment of the figures of the, of the, the Christmas narrative. You're a big fan of Mary, no? I love Arlie. Yeah. She's mama. She's mama. She's mama. Uh, I I am so glad. I know you hear this a million times, so like he's probably going to vomit when I say it, but I love when Just we have wake these... wake me ma- up when this is over. <laughs> I love when we have these major feast days to the Blessed Mother because then it gives us another reason to just celebrate like a, another spiritual Mother's Day, mm-hmm. whether it's like literally celebrating on New Year's Day, Mary, Mother of uh, uh, of God. Um or uh, the Annunciation, or uh, the Immaculate Conception, or the Assumption, or uh, uh, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe that just passed. Like these are just oh, Our Lady of the Rosary, mm-hmm. Our Lady of Sorrow, Our Lady, Lady, of, Lady of Carmel, Our yep. Lady of Lords. There are just so many beautiful feast days that uh, that are so appealing. But I, I think uh, in as we kind of enter closely, as we get to the last you know, the closing days of, of Advent, uh, it's so important because the church does it too in her prayers, in the liturgy, in the liturgy of the hours, in the mass, uh, as, as we, as we hear certainly in some of the, uh, the liturgical music that is now being offered at the mass, that the blessed mother plays a central and key role in this whole narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, and if uh, if we could just maybe helpfully uh, give give people uh, uh, just a helpful understanding of first of all who who Our Lady is and and how she wants us to be involved and how she can help us make be present during this time. I, that's that's going to be the the goal here. This one I'm a little bit more nervous than uh, speaking about Our Lady. I'm always a little bit more nervous than any of the other figures in the gospel that we talk about. Are you about. fearful she's going to hurt you? Well, you know, my mother used to swat us with the wooden spoon when we were little if we got in trouble. I That explains I, a lot. I feel like yeah, that does explain a lot. <laughs> but then she broke it over my brother's rear end when she, like he was like 5 and we laughed at her face. So then she would just say, you just wait till your father comes okay. home. And then well, we well just... thank you, Father Dave. Our session is over for today. Um, <laughs> talk to my secretary. And that's what the Blessed Mother really wants to do. She wants to swat us with a wooden spoon now. <laughs> um, can, I, can I say something to you sure. about, about Mary? And I don't know if you want to pick up on this or um, if there's a, if, if, if anywhere to go with it. 
But for for those that might not have a relationship with Mary, and I was very late because I, I didn't grow up in a Marian house. You know, it's not like we didn't like her. You know, <laughs> she wasn't persona non grata. <laughs> this wasn't talked about much. And you pick up your faith from your parents. My parents handed me a wonderful faith, but it just yeah. she wasn't really part of it as much. Mm-hmm. So it was very very late blooming uh, for me to to understand. One of the the, the insights that um, I've been thinking about recently, and this might even be particularly uh, informative for any you know children or students that are listening, is that if you think about your best friend's mother. Right, and a lot of times we do have good friendships with our f- best friend's mother. Sometimes we will say, and we'll have kids in our say, "Oh, it's almost like my second mother," mm. you know. And I think one of the dynamics that happens is when we, we, you know, we we have a we have a good friend. We get to know their mother. We get to know their friend a little better, you know, yeah. through their mother. And one of the the beauties about Mary is, if you want to get to know Jesus, get to know Mary. Yeah. You know, and it happens mysteriously. I couldn't explain to you in any articulate, informative, or accurate way how that happens. It just happens. Yeah. You know? And the closer that that bond becomes be, between your best friend and you, yeah, uh, the mother will usually say, "Oh, he's like my he's like he's like the son that I never had." Or yeah, the well, that's true. Right, had. right, right. You know, and oh, that's a good yeah. I like and that. how our our lady looks at us in, in yeah. exactly the same way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I think we should first. I think we got to start with, you know, this the celebration that we had just a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago, uh, the Immaculate Conception, mm-hmm. and, and just highlighting for everybody who might be new to the, uh, you know, understanding the Blessed Mother, or maybe always gets the Immaculate Conception confused with the Annunciation. Uh, That's because the readings, the Immaculate the Conception, of the Annunciation right. readings, yeah. But the but the Immaculate Conception, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, is the Church's celebration and understanding that our Blessed Mother was sinless, that she did not inherit uh, sin uh, from Adam and Eve the way that all of us have kind of, you know, spiritually, genetically been handed down. She was preserved from that. No concupiscence that affects us all right. where bad things look good. Right. Concupiscence yeah. is a, essentially a, a, a theological word that, that the church came up with to, yeah. to describe Explain what temptation. that was like. Yeah. yeah you know, um, but that does not mean, as you had said just before, that her life was easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in, in, my, in my prayer not too long ago, maybe a couple of years ago, in just thinking about the Immaculate Conception and, and thinking about how our Blessed Mother must have felt growing up sinless and yet being surrounded by the brokenness of the world. Felt different? I don't know. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if she would have felt different. I mean, I, that's, I'll never, I mean, I won't know that till I get to see her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can only imagine, like, you know, the, the heartache or the pain that she must have at least had to observe and, and witness. Like, her, the depth of her love was so great. Because, like, when Angel Gabriel comes to, comes to her in, in the scene of the Annunciation, where our Blessed Mother is then, you know, uh, conceives our Lord in her womb, he says, Hail, Mar- Hail full of grace. And, and what you know, what Gabriel is really highlighting is that Mary has, from like every ounce of her being, is filled with the grace of God, that there's nothing rejecting that, mm-hmm. that she's filled right to the brim yeah. uh, with, the, with the glory uh, and the presence of God. She said, my soul proclaims the greatness of God. Yeah. Yeah, and so she's doing that with literally her entire being. Yeah, every molecule of of her, of herself, uh, and she knew is, it. She had that self understanding to right. say, "This is who I am." Which, like, and if all humility too, and you would you wouldn't think my soul proclaims the greatness of God as a humble statement, like taken from someone else. It's well, you're kind of obnoxious, <laughs> right? Wow. Great for you to highlight that. Okay, honestly, if you said that, I would have been like, "Yeah, wow, you you're really full of yourself today." Take him down a peg. 
<laughs> but but the reality is is that there was so much humility in that truth. Yeah. You know. And I think she was just stating a fact. Yeah. 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 You know, and and and, and if there's if if we're looking to like they, they think we're a lot of you know when we talk about the bl- the beauty of the blessed mother it all is starts right there mm-hmm. you know the fullness of grace residing within her 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 perf- her perfect state of being uh that god has pre- had preserved her from cuz uh, cuz and and i and i i have come to really admire her and love her even more uh because if you think about it adam and eve were perfect, were created perfect, right. living in a perfect world. They had to desire the desire to sin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I think sometimes when we just I say, oh, they, 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 they disobeyed God, they took of the fruit of the tree, like, it was just second nature for them. Mm-hmm. It's second nature for us, right. because we're broken. But they were not broken. Mm-hmm. Like they had to want something completely contrary to their being. Right. And they did it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you know, so, so to see then reflecting on that and living and like looking at through the eyes of the blessed mother, she's perfect living in a broken world. Yeah. It's a great and, juxtaposition and when the tem- there. When the temptations or whatever challenge had come to her to want to enter into the same, you know, into the same um, life of Adam and Eve, she always said no to that mm-hmm. and always said yes, her fiat. Right. Her yes was consistent with her whole life. My, uh, I have a friend who, who uh, when, when always answering the Lord's will, she goes, yes, fiat, yes. She always says, fiat, yes. You know, and she, and we laugh about it, but there's, there's such beauty in that because there's the, like she, like when she said yes, though it wasn't just one time it was the every time like that's why that one yes to receive jesus into uh and to conceive her uh to conceive him in in her womb was you know she had already conceived jesus in her heart as Mm -hmm. saint augustine said long before that moment because she had always said yes to doing the father's will uh so to be living in this broken world and to be still perfect and pure and beautiful in all the ways of of sanctity uh, is something that I think is really what is highlighted when we say that she is beautiful. Um, but then you 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 when you look at this like she, you know, Pope Benedict XVI in his Jesus of Nazareth series, the three books that he had written in his uh, in the Nativity scene when he goes through Saint Luke, he describes the. He describes the moment after Angel Gabriel leaves her, and he said, after the angel left and, and, and the choirs of angels were gone, and there was nobody else, she was alone to contemplate all of this by herself. Yeah. And he, and he spoke who, about who could the she loneliness. could talk to about that, it? Right. And he spoke to the loneliness that she had to live with that for a while, mm-hmm. you know? And then to have to, to tell joseph the truth and know that at first that that you know not not knowing you know like how he would receive that you know uh and and then in the fear of that rejection the possible rejection of that Mm -hmm. uh and then and what about being possibly judged through town oh absolutely uh, like to to say yes to receiving the lord and then possibly have to endure all of that Mm um and then to have to go to Bethlehem, that hard travel while she was pregnant. Well, to go to help Elizabeth too. Yeah. To go to help Elizabeth. She's pregnant now, uh, and now she's got to go help Elizabeth. She did, she goes in haste, as Sunday's gospel says, this right. upcoming Sunday. She goes in haste. Like, she didn't even hesitate uh, to go help Elizabeth. It puts all her cares and concerns aside. Uh, that does not mean that her pregnancy was easy mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just that she put it all aside and dealt with that while helping Elizabeth right. deal with her uh, pregnancy, which I would imagine for an an older woman who had never gone really through this process, you know, had to be a very difficult process. 
she had to have great faith. I alluded to this last week, but she had to have great faith that Elizabeth would even listen to her and understand. I mean, I'm yeah. not sure I understand it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, but not but not judge her for it. Right. You know. Right. And then go to Bethlehem and then not have you know, not have a clean place, not have a you know, uh, a, a an even dignified place. Yeah, he was he was born in a feeding trough. Yeah. I mean yeah. that's that's where the, that's where they laid him down. You know, to be rejected by the innkeepers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, like, to live there for a year and making do mm-hmm. with that, and then having to get up with the pressures of, you know, once again, your child is ready to be executed. Like yeah. you have to run. Yeah. Uh, and and then go and live in Egypt and meet new friends and live a new sure. life and uh, raise a child and raise a child. <laughs> And then come back. It's kind of like the hardest thing in the world anyway. And then to lose St. Joseph, mm-hmm. to lose our husband. Yeah. And then and then to deal with, you know, knowing that Jesus was going off in his mission, completely understanding what he had to do. I mean, she was the one who set it all in motion at the mm-hmm. wedding feast at Cana. Yeah. She understood it. But and, like to live with the loneliness of being at home sometimes alone while he was away, you know, and then to see... The ultimate suffering. She was a devout Jew. She knew what happened to the Jewish prophets. You know, it, it typically didn't end well, and she knew that he was more than just a prophet like Isaiah right. and you know uh, the the whole litany of them. You know, she knew that it was more than that. But when you in today's society too, you preach peace, it doesn't typically end well. Yeah. You know? Oh no. And certainly no. for Jesus, that was the case. And you think about, I mean, just think about. Uh, Think about your wife. Mm-hmm. I, I think about my mother. Mm-hmm. I think about mothers who are so locked in and dialed in and in tune to their children, mm-hmm. where they can, they could perceive that something's not right, something's off. Where guys, it's like magic. It is. Yeah. Can you imagine? And, and all of the women that we've seen do this are they're broken. Yeah. They're living. You know, mm-hmm. they're not perfect. Right. So you can only imagine the connectedness. Yeah. Between the soul relationship, yeah. between uh, Our Lady and Our Lord, mm-hmm. uh, and and the union that must have been there, uh, it, it, it oh, it, just to, to kind of think about that gives me great joy and great yep. hope. Um, so, like to to understand that she was perfect, as you had said uh, about the life of and, and the leadership of Joseph as a uh, Joseph as a husband, her life was not easy. Her life was not easy at all. No. And and I think sometimes we can get wrapped up uh in in the statues and 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 the beautiful prayer cards of her hands folded uh you know in prayer uh with this angelic look on her face. Yeah. But but the life that she had to live had to be it was tough. There was a lot of I, somebody had said this to me, a, a priest had said this to me when you receive a rose it's it's so beautiful to the eyes. It smells beautiful. He said, but a rose comes with thorn bushes. Sure, it comes with some thorns, you know. Uh, and the beauty of the beauty of the life that she lived, ha- it it came with those thorns. And I, I wouldn't think those, those thorns ended after after he died and rose from the dead, because if you think what it would be like now, t- from a secular perspective, from the the Roman persecution of the Jews in that area, she had to be a hidden figure. Wouldn't you think? She couldn't have been public. She had to always know that they would probably not think too much about taking her life because she was part of that. Now, I don't know if it died off, but the, you know, it, the, the further it got from Jesus' life, you don't really know what the Roman, at least I don't know, maybe scholars do, what the Roman understanding was of Jesus after the resurrection not that they believe the resurrection but right. but 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 they were persecuting christians but, I, mean, I guess is what i'm we, getting at we, i mean we do know that you know we do know for those days after you know the resurrection they were hiding and they were hiding yeah of and course even the day that uh, of pentecost they were yeah. in the room yeah for fear of the jews but for the Acts you know the years about. after the apostles leave and they go to different places and i think all but one are killed or martyred well, that's john yeah, yeah john, right. john who's, so, who's taking care of her right right so i, I had there had to have been some fear i would imagine you know, and it just went along with the rest of life. So when you're talking about those thorns, I'm thinking even the post-Jesus part of her life, the post-Jesus on earth part of her life. 
Yeah, and 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 I think I think something, and I uh, I agree with you, and and I think that, but I think when when we say, you know, that that she had to deal with these these sorrows or these fears, I want to make sure that I'm very clear with this. I want to make sure that we're very clear that that she never gave in, right. correct, to any of those doubts of faith. Um, in in uh, in a negative way of entering into those sorrows or those fears, right. she always responded in the way of grace, in the way that was responding to God's glory, uh, in the, in the hope that even in the midst of the greatest darkness that she would have to endure, that that the Father would see her through that, right. like that 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 God would not disappoint her. Yeah. Um, do you, do, you, do you think most people, maybe not most people, I'm thinking out loud here, I, I think that could be something that's fleeting for many of us. We go through periods where our faith is pretty strong, usually followed quickly by a time where it's not. But she had her whole life. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know— I'm, I'm not I, saying the exact type of faith she had. Right, right, right. But, 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 but the belief, you know, I'm going to get through this— but but, but that it goes was consistent away. for her. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, we right. go through the peaks and valleys. Right, right, right. Uh, but but our blessed mother, you know, and because because uh, you ever see, I, I got this great example from one of my uh, uh, teachers in the seminary. Uh, was it the the mobiles that uh-huh. that hang over the baby's crib? Sure. Uh, he described that when they're when it's hanging over the baby's crib, everything is lined up in order. Right there's a there's an order to it. There's a beauty to that order. And and they they hang in perfect harmony with each other, and he said that was that was the state of us before the fall. Okay. So like the state of a blessed mother's soul was like, you know, the the feelings were ne- her feelings were never over uh, over the top where it took over her will or intellect or vice versa. Everything was in harmony. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. But then he said like if you ever see like one of those things fall from the crib. Yeah. It, it, it gets all tangled up. The you know the ropes end up, t- and it takes a while to untangle them. Good metaphor for our life. Yeah, yeah. is that so? You and I are like that mobile on the floor, just trying to be straightened back out again and, yep. and rehung. <laughs> um, but but for her, it was consistent. So like when we go through the peaks and valleys uh, of life, you know, like you know Psalm twenty three, the Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing shall I want. <laughs> uh, shall I want? Uh, you know, uh, even if I go through the dark valley right. of the shadow no of death. No evil shall I fear. You know, no evil shall I fear. So, like, you know, for us, you know, knowing that we're going to go through that, um, and, and a lot of us will often say, I just don't feel God present. Sure. But, like, he's there the whole time. Right. Uh, whereas the Blessed Mother, even if she had that dry period of not, uh, of not experience, feeling the experiences, it never wavered her faith. Sure. You know, very much an exemplary uh, of Mother Teresa mm-hmm. was exemplary of the Blessed Mother in that regard. It's interesting. That's so interesting you bring her up because she was very public about going through those dry periods. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but I but on some level she had that that faith to you know to stay with it. Yeah, you know, and and I'm sure praying to Mary. I'm conjecturing there, but I would. <laughs> I don't think it's much of a stretch to say <laughs> she'd be praying to Mary. But if and. If I can, if we could just end w- with this particular um, uh, re- reflection that had been given to me, and, and was I got the opportunity to go to uh, Lords France, uh, uh, summer of 2019, and uh, while I was there, I was able to serve and help out on the on in the city uh, in the grotto in different ways. Uh, some in the baths, uh, helping people enter into the baths of lords or uh, serving some of the, you know, just guiding people into the services or leading the, helping lead the procession uh, of the rosary uh, or even carrying the relic of St. Bernadette. Uh, it was a great experience. But but my, my brother, my spiritual brother, he's like 86 years old, uh, Father Charlie Coley, he had. Uh, we were in communication almost every day. Uh, we talked on the phone, and and uh, he would always ask me every day how I was doing, and I was bringing a lot of stuff there, a lot of insecurities, uh, some anger, resentments, and stuff like that, and uh, and he said, Dave, just let Our Lady in the grotto mother you. 
Hmm. He said, he said, you are now in the womb of the Blessed Mother. Let her nurture you the way she nurtured her son. Let her give birth, give spiritual birth to you mm-hmm. the way that she gave birth to her son. Uh, and and the and the that to me was very consoling. And so every time I was in the grotto uh, of Lords, I just envisioned myself in her womb, you know, and 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 feeling nurtured and loved and supporting and and like really getting the spiritual nourishment that essentially took away a lot of anger and resentment. She did, you know, and and insecurities uh, of of uh, of a lot of things that I was dealing with. And I, if we could just end here, like just kind of giving you a little bit of a reflection on, on Our Lady as we kind of journey for the next week and a half towards Christmas, the deeper our relationship grows with the Blessed Mother, uh, the, the deeper the, uh, the, the intimacy that is uh, nurtured and fostered and desired by us uh, for her, she will birth us spiritually into new life she will nurture us um, and and give us the spiritual nourishment to help us see accept uh, and acknowledge her son more deeply and more profoundly in our life Uh, and and that relationship with her uh, that mothering that she wants to provide for us uh, and will do for us if we allow her will just bring her bring us so intimately close to Jesus so that when you and I are at mass or in adoration, you and I will be so consumed by being in his presence because at that moment, you and I will realize that we are in the womb of the Blessed Mother and 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 allowing Jesus to be intimately close with us as she gives us that spiritual birth that we all desire and want uh, you know, as we journey through this life. Uh, and so if, if, if in the next few, uh, in next week and a half, as we journey to, towards Christmas, do something, uh, read the scriptures on the Blessed Mother, pray the rosary, uh, pray the memorare, enter into any particular devotion to Our Lady, asking her for the spiritual nourishment and birth uh, that we all really desire during this time. Oh, beautifully said, and a nice little, uh, nice little way to end it before we say goodbye. We're going to try to get together next week and and provide something for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. To kind of land the plane a little bit. I think we've run out of Christmas characters to talk about. Unless we want to talk about <laughs> yeah. the donkeys. They don't want to hear any more of our ramblings. No, no. So we'll just offer some maybe really thought. I, I'm th- kind of thinking we're probably going to talk a little, little bit about incarnation. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the way we we could understand that in our in our everyday lives to make it applicable, not just an event, but that happened, but an event that's constantly happening. Sure. But I'm going to stop talking now, otherwise we're going to be into that episode before we know it. <laughs> well, guys, have a beautiful night. Take care.